This podcast is brought to you by Villanova University on iTunes U. Please visit us on itunes.villanova.edu. Uh, these folks have already spoken and some wonderful comments from the audience. So first I want to hand, this mic- uh, uh, hand the microphone around and if you have any questions for each other that you'd like to share, uh, please do. <laughs> Um, I guess from, from my perspective, most of the, I'm sorry, I know Bill, I know you made some comments uh, earlier about really getting um, engaged from the local, local from how it really bubbles up. Um, can you give some examples of maybe how that can really engage congressional folks or even more governors and state legislatures? Well, I think that um, the work that you guys are doing in a way, we're looking at same same techniques, same tactics, but just scalability. Uh, I was telling Yale that um, we we had a meeting with uh, the executive director. We were at a common function of uh, AARP, and AARP is a group that we hold up as one of the standards of political influence. You know, they mobilize seniors, and they're very powerful on Capitol Hill. And uh, he made a statement to us that was, uh, you know, pushes back in our seats. And he said, you guys in the hunger world are stronger than the NRA. That we actually have more folks uh, at, in, our, in our community than they do. We not only have the support of the academic community and the faith community, the agricultural community, the public health community, the senior community, uh, that hunger is across the board and it's not political. You guys just have mobilized, you know, and we're looking like, yeah. So that was really a come to Jesus moment uh, when we realized that, you know, we really can end hunger, but it's in our power to mobilize that group. But as far as the tactics go, it's the same, you know, but, but the difference is instead of doing a letter campaign that's just within the Philadelphia, you know, with the Phil Abundance group that produces maybe, you know, 10,000 letters, we think we can mobilize and produce more than a million letters at a time, you know. So it's really, a, for us, it's a question of scale. Uh, I had a question for Barbie. And, and first of all, great talk. I'm glad you were awesome. Um, but I don't know if everyone here has seen A Place at the Table. Has everyone seen that? It was just, just, the, just the greatest. And I just have a goofy question for you. It's just, I wonder if you would talk a little bit about what it was like to be part of the movie and what it was like when they were filming you and just all of that, how it feel, felt afterwards to be basically famous within a certain worlds, you know? <laughs> but everybody was, every, you know, I've been to several screenings and everyone is, is always so touched, especially with your story. But uh, I wondered if you could just talk a little bit about your experience of having been part of that. Good morning. Good morning. I'm always a little shy in the beginning, so bear with me a little bit. Um, but as far as being filmed, it was horrible. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, it, was, it was interesting. It was interesting. Um, in the beginning, when they asked if, if they can film me, they're like, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with this, so don't worry about it. It's no big deal. And that's why they caught me so many times with my hair crazy and in pajamas. Because had I known that it was actually going to become a film, <laughs> I wouldn't let them film me in that way. <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, in the beginning, I, it was weird trying to get used to the cameras just being around. Um, but it was kind of cool at the same time. Um, I always tell the story that um, this one day that I was in the supermarket, they were following me around. And this lady runs up to me. She's like, oh my god, it's cheaters. Like, do you know you're all cheaters? And I'm just like, no, it's not. In New York once, they filmed me. Um, I was walking the streets of New York, and um, I had a crossing guard ask me if um, I was an America's Next Top Model. So that felt great. <laughs> but um, aside from all of the all of the funny stuff, it was it was hard. Um, I guess I didn't realize how hard it was until they stopped filming me. Because then I had time to think about how much footage they've actually had over the two years. And I didn't know what they were going to use and what they weren't going to use and how I was going to be portrayed as a mother and how you know my children were going to be used in the film. So I went through about two years of panic <laughs> uh, while they were editing it. And um, I think the most important thing to me was like how I was going to be portrayed as a mother. Because living in the circumstances that I did, I felt like I was different. I felt like I had potential and that I can do better than where I was, but I didn't know if people can see that in the film. I thought, well, you know, are they just gonna look at me as another one of those, you know, mothers who was young, who didn't finish school, and that was like one of the hardest things that I had to battle. Um, but overall, I'm, I'm very pleased with how the movie came out. Um, it was, it was life-changing just watching it for the first time. And I always tell people that when I saw it, it's one thing to watch the movie, but the hardest part was, was when I was doing screenings and I would have to like get up and admit to people like this was my life. Um, just because I had to acknowledge it for myself. Like it's, you know, they can watch it and think that it's, it's just a movie or something like that. But I cried every single time when I had to get up and, and finally say, hi, I'm Barbie, and this is what happened to me. Um, and still to this day, I, I, every time I watch it, I still cry. And um, things are, are a little different now. There are a lot of great changes have been made to, to my life personally, but I don't think enough has been done on the forefront to end hunger. Um, so I continue to speak and tell people about my experiences because I want to change that. And I want people to not look at me as Barbie from A Place at the Table or Barbie from the movie. I'd rather them look at me as Barbie the hunger advocate. And I think that that would be something that can stick more with someone. I'm going to have to be the bad guy to grab the mic. <laughs> but you're going to get to hear more from Barbie after lunch, I promise. She'll tell a little bit more of her story. Um, we are at a point, regrettably, uh, at this point where we need to, uh, in order to move our process along, to break for lunch. So uh, if you want to have more opportunities to talk to the speakers, I know at least two of our previous speakers are going to be leaving after lunch. Yael and Eric are going to be leaving. And, and Bill, I'm not sure of your plans.
Okay, so if you have questions or, or follow on things that you'd like to discuss with the speakers, a reminder, the second part of our, our work after lunch will be Barbie's talk, some more processing in groups, and then we're going to be shifting into the offering of letters, so just be aware of that. I want to give thanks to all of the speakers who have already spoken and given of themselves for this meeting. invite the speakers to have a seat, including Barbie, because I need to give you some instructions on lunch. <laughs> um, we will have um, about uh, 45 minutes for lunch. Um, so you're going to be back here. We're going to start uh, right about 1 o'clock, because we have a lot to do in the final two hours of this uh, event. Um, Here's what's going to happen. The lunches are not in this building um, for a variety of reasons. We have to go to Bartley Hall, which is out the doors, out those doors, and Bartley Hall is kind of over in that direction. You will find helpful Villanova students who know where Bartley Hall is showing you the way, so you will not go astray. Um, now, um, it is very close. You won't have to walk very far at all. And you are welcome to leave your belongings here. Okay, this will be a secure place, so don't feel like you have to take everything with you just out of a matter of security. It will be taken care of. Now, when you get over uh, to Bartley Hall, you will find that there are bag lunches available for you. Most of you signed up uh, in time to reserve a bag lunch. A few of you actually got extra. You didn't sign up in time, but you were given a voucher. I want to clarify one thing. Several of you got kind of white vouchers with a $10 amount on it. How many of you got that kind of a thing? Okay. We actually have more of the regular vouchers that where you don't have to worry about paying more than $10. Just trade your, your white voucher in for a, another of the vouchers that everybody else got, so you'll get a free bag lunch um, along with everybody else. Now we have three types of, of lunches that you're going to have an opportunity to partake of. And I'm going to tell you the cuisine. It's not from Bill Clark's old firm, but you know that's the best we can do at here at Villanova, and it's going to be wonderful. We do have a mozzarella with roasted peppers and arugula on ciabatta. That is for those of you uh, who are vegetarian. Um, we have a Cajun eye round of beef with yellow cheddar on baguette, and we have turkey. <laughs> What? No, we have turkey. I wasn't done. And we have turkey. I paused for effect with Cooper's sharp cheese on multi-grain bread. Now, what I would encourage you to do is to respect the fact that there are some among us who are actually vegetarian and would like to get first access to the vegetarian things. Maybe you'd love to have the mozzarella, but you're an omnivore like me. If you could hold back and let the vegetarians get access to the one-third of those meals that are actually vegetarian, and then take of the other vegetarians that might remain after all our, our veggie friends have had that opportunity to take. There are three of you who want vegan meals, and those are also available over there. Just ask, make sure you get one of those, uh, those meals. Um, so I think you, uh, is there anyone who did not get a lunch voucher? Okay, excellent, glad for that. Now, um, in terms of what you can do during the lunch hour, um, feel free to sit over there in Bar Bartley. There are desks, uh, tables and chairs over there. Just uh, stay right over there. You're welcome to bring your, back, your lunch back into this building, but you have to eat out in the atrium. You cannot bring it into this space and sit down. So if you prefer to do that, that's fine. And I'm going to be coming over and kind of wrestling you back here. Uh, about, about 10 minutes of 1, I'm going to come over and give you uh, a heads up that it's time to get back over here because we 
will begin promptly at 1 o'clock, and I'll be introducing Barbie uh, for, for her discussion. Um, are there any questions that any of you have about the lunch plans? OK. Yes? There are at least a couple of people here who have not seen a place at the table. Mm -hmm. Could you just describe it really quickly so that we can talk about it at lunch? <laughs> oh, excellent. Um, who of you have seen it would like to? Barbara, would you like to talk a little bit? <laughs> She's crying. No, no, no. Come on, come on. Just, just describe a little bit about what broadly the picture is, not just your own. Um, <laughs> so, uh, A Place at the Table is a documentary. Um, I'm not sure how many people were filmed. I think it was, I think overall there were like seven. Um, basically what Christy and Lori, the filmmakers, did was travel the country to see, to show people the different faces of hunger. Um, they documented a child in elementary school and how um, her being hungry during class affected her life. Um, they documented a pastor and his wife um, that ran a food, a food bank and their difficulties in trying to help their community. They documented the teacher of the little girl um, at the school and she actually volunteered at that same food bank. Um, they documented someone in Jonestown who had trouble finding food in her neighborhood because her like grocery corner stores and things like that didn't have fruits and vegetables. So they showed her struggle trying to get back and forth between cities just to get access to a fully stocked supermarket. Um, who else? They documented a police officer um, and his struggle in trying to be the face that was sort of the savior of the community as far as safety, but and yet he was the same face that you would see at the food bank getting food with the rest of the family. Um, there was a father who was a cowboy um, that worked like on a ranch and also had a second job at a school um, cleaning up and just his, how he felt about being a father and providing for his children and his struggle. Um, what else was there? And I think three of those stories basically were highlighted in yes. the movie with, with, with specific. Yes. Yeah. So um, actually, I want to say something about your question. Um, I happen to have with me here in Philadelphia uh, a couple of copies of A Place at the Table. Um, and I lend those out to people to show to their, their churches. So if you're interested in seeing that video, I have a, a video that then you can share with other people and show. It, it's also available in, in other sources. but. Uh, Get it through me, and, and we'd love to know about your experience. They showed it at my church. Oh, it was yeah. amazing. Okay, yeah. thanks. It's, it's on Netflix streaming. Oh, yeah. It's also on Netflix streaming, if you get that. And iTunes, uh, and Amazon, and yeah, I think that's about it. Yep. 